This podcast may contain strong language. Celebrity Phone Box with James Phelan. This is Celebrity Phone Box Podcast. Welcome. My name is James Phelan. I have got a good one for you today. Um, Again, this is a recording from my uh, New Year's Eve Zoom show. Um, And I just thought I wanted to sort of throw up for you all of these sort of unedited versions like the whole sort of director's cut and that's what this is is a conversation uh, with Ed Byrne um, I've obviously known of Ed Byrne for a long time he's been on telly for quite a while now um, he's a he's a sort of familiar fixture in Mock the Week and I remember you know maybe when I was like 12 years old seeing him on uh, places like Live at the Apollo and finding him just just sort of belly laugh funny and he still is he still is um i first met him when i was up in edinburgh last year so you you might sort of have seen um i did a show at the gilded balloon it was my the show i'd been touring for a couple of years called trickster and then we repurposed it and reframed it and called it troublemaker and we took it to the edinburgh fringe and it did really really well loads and loads of five star reviews loads bar one i got one two star review because i picked on (laughs) I picked on the review without realising, uh, and he didn't like it, he didn't like it, so yeah, uh, that happened. There's a little bar in the top of the Gilded Balloon that's just for the sort of performers and the shows that are there, uh, which is called The Loft, and I was there one day and I bumped into Ed Byrne, and I went and introduced myself, and I said, oh hi Ed, my name's James, I showed him and his friend a trick. Um, and then the next thing I know, I'm sat in the audience in his show, and he did a show at the Assembly Rooms, which was the other side of Edinburgh in this huge room like it must have been you know more than a thousand seats i couldn't can't even tell you but it was a huge room particularly for edinburgh because because some well-known comics you know sell out 50 seater rooms and he must have done you know a thousand um and i was sat in the audience in this show and it was great it was a really really good show and the next thing i know we've, we're meeting him in a hotel around the corner and my auntie's there and i'm there um and a couple of other people are there and I drink this thing called a Dirty Shirley. Now, this is lemonade, grenadine and vodka. It's lethal. We're sat there. It's me, him. Stuart Francis was also there, actually, the comedian Stuart Francis, who, you know, I saw on the other table and it turned out he was there meeting Ed as well, separately. And so we all kind of bunged on this table and I don't know how long we were there for. I wouldn't be able to tell you how long I was there for. But we got absolutely trolled, like really, really relentlessly drunk. Um, it's sort of, and it was really nice. We had lots of cool conversations, talking about all kinds of weird stuff, until it got to about I don't know, probably half eleven, twelve o'clock. And Ed goes, oh, "I'm supposed to be doing late and live tonight." And late and live, um, if you haven't ever been to Edinburgh, it's a late night comedy show. It starts at about one a.m. and it's in the Gilded Balloon, so it's where my stuff is. So I had to go back and get some stuff from the show anyway. And so I was like, oh, I'll walk back with you. And it's a place called the Nightclub in the Gilded Balloon, which is, an, I think it's a nightclub for the rest of the year, but it's quite a cool venue. And uh, <laughs> I watched him do the show that I'd seen him do sober about three or four hours earlier, really, really drunk. But not just really, really drunk. He was talking about having kids and all this kind of stuff to basically a room of 18-year-olds. And I'm not going to exaggerate, he absolutely killed it. He, it was a masterclass. It was great. It was really, really great. So if you go to the Gilda Balloons Instagram, I think there's a video of it up there. And I think I commented on it. Um, we also talk about tour shows and tour delays because, as you know, my show uh, was supposed to be on tour, as was Ed. And we talk about the sort of trials and tribulations of having sort of tours uh, sort of postponed. 
and also Ed's sort of uh, sort of ethos, I guess, his routine, I suppose, when it comes to writing comedy. Uh, it's a lovely chat, and he's a lovely guy, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. This is uh, my conversation with Ed Byrne. Celebrity Phone Box Podcast with James Phelan. Ed Byrne, welcome to the show. It must have been, what, a year since I've seen you? How are you? I'm very well. Good to hear it. So how's your year been? Not a lot has happened so far <laughs> this year. Last year wasn't great. <laughs> I, I was right in the middle of a really fun tour. I was really enjoying it. It was one of my best shows I've done in 10, 15 years. And uh, it got curtailed by uh, reason beyond my control. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to getting back into it again this year. My new favourite joke is whenever anyone says COVID, I say, who's he? And it people are like, ah. <laughs> and I find it hilarious. It's one of those jokes. You have those jokes that are, it's like Stockholm syndrome. The more you say it, the funnier it gets. It's one of them. <laughs> um, but last year, so I mean, last time I saw you was up in Edinburgh. Um, yeah. Is this the first time you've not done Edinburgh in forever? Or not well, had no, Edinburgh, I, sorry. I normally do Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Fringe every other year. That's, that I, I did used to do it every year back in the sort of late 90s um uh, and then I just couldn't keep coming up with that many jokes so uh and I could also I could get a lot longer out of a show I would tour it for you know the best part of two years so I would um I would go every other year so I would normally be planning to go to Edinburgh Fringe this year 2021 but uh, I won't be yeah, because I'll still be doing the show I should have finished doing last year. Yeah, so the year, the year that will not be named. <laughs> the Voldemort of all years. So, has your yeah. have all your tour dates just been pushed back a year? Essentially, some of them. I mean, a lot of them are now not happening until twenty twenty two. Cardiff St David's Hall, for instance, which was supposed to happen in March of twenty twenty, is happening now in January of twenty twenty two. Wow. So. Yeah, a 22-month delay on that one, which is weird because, like, the show I'm doing, uh, it, like, when it, when I started it, you know, when I was writing it, the kids, a lot of it's about the kids, and the kids were seven-year-old and nine-year-old, and it was sort of, they'll be eight-years-old, ten-year-old. By the end of it, they'll be ten and twelve. <laughs> so it's like, I'll be talking about funny things they say, and they'll be like, people will be listening going, you're in sense. For that age, your children sound like idiots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, you'll finish the tour, and they'll just be having their weddings and stuff. And <laughs> you can go and do your exactly, set. Exactly, but I'll still be talking wedding. about them. Yeah, yeah. But, nobody, but the joke, the joke is about what he said when he was eight. Yeah, and it was cute then. Yeah, and even stuff like stuff that was already not super topical. You know, talking about things like the Avengers movies. You know, what's name? Endgame was still in the cinema at the time when I was yeah. doing this show. And I now... always find this fascinating about people like Matt Ford, who mm. they just must never settle on material. Like <laughs> they blink and yeah. then the whole set has to go out the out the window. Yeah. See, that's 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 the thing. Because I, if I like a joke, and as far as I'm concerned, if the audience haven't heard the joke before, I don't care. Because I'll also, you know, I'll do a joke about a song or a film that might have come out 20, 30 years ago if it's something that's just occurred to me. If I think of a new joke about Jaws, fine, it'll go in. But you know, the Avengers jokes were about a film that was, uh, you know, happening at the time. And and even the joke about that was, it was slightly to do with the fact that the kids were too young to watch the films yet. 
Yeah. But by the time I'm finished, they will be old enough to watch the films. So I'll just come across like a really judgmental, <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. draconian. Death. You don't. You won't let your twelve-year-old watch an Avengers. The Avengers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite, the thing that sticks in my mind most about your show, uh, in terms of joke-wise, the one that I have told other people and claimed it as my own is the, oh no that's that's a lie i have said it sure, was no. is you know your sign language interpreter oh, yeah. donald trump donald trump yeah <laughs> yeah L- love it i love it it's actually i think it's i think it's is that <laughs> so are you is, so in terms of um material and all that kind of stuff i mean has this year been better or worse for you no, it's been terrible because I, it, the, the way I write jokes as well, like I think of a basic idea and then I go and try it out on stage. And that's the great thing about stand up is it's a very immediate sort of, uh, you know, very immediate short term gratification type thing. It really appeals to me. It's not like writing a movie or writing a book or something like that where you can spend ages on it and then, and then an editor looks at it and then it goes out of the world. And you don't know two years after you've written it, maybe you start getting the feedback. The great thing about stand-up is you think of a joke and I can go to my local club that day or certainly that week and give it a whirl and then see what needs doing to it, see whether it works or not, and then and then refine it. And without anywhere to do that, without anywhere to play, you know, you've just got vague ideas in your head and you don't really don't know if they're funny or not. They're not I'm, I haven't really properly written anything. Yeah. So have you do you do you miss the voice? Do you miss having an audience to just <laughs> if stuff's going on, it comes out and then it, it's like cathartic. Do you miss that? Yeah, yeah. And I've had I have had a handful of gigs. There's been a few socially distance jobs. There's been a few where audience members are in masks. You know, there's, there have been. You know, we've been we we've done some mock the week, but then that switched to a Zoom audience. And so, you know, the few that I have done, it's been enough to keep me ticking over. Anyway. Not financially, but it's taking over. Yeah, uh, keep the brain a, going. Yeah, from, yeah, from a you know a craving the attention and the gratification from the audience perspective, I, I'm managing to still get enough of a hit, you know, <laughs> once once a month, just yeah. to keep just enough of a fix. Yeah. So talk to me about what is it like filming Mock the Week with no audience? Is that is that really weird? Yeah, I I'm not a fan of it, and. We were doing it one week and they just completely dropped out. We, we, we the ones that we could see, because we've got ones we can see and then you've got about 400 that we can just hear. And the ones that we could hear, just they, we lost connection with them and we didn't know. None of us realised that we'd lost the connection. And it was right when we were talking about Donald Trump and we just thought we'd lost the audience. We thought we'd lost them in the, they don't find us funny anymore. Sense. Yeah. So we're just doing these jokes and suddenly it's, it's getting nothing yeah and we just li- we're all looking at each other like jesus these <laughs> tough crowd and it turns out that they they could hear us they were all laughing in their homes apparently oh, but the feed to the studio had gone down wow yeah I, I mean it could be worse though you could have done have i got news for you via zoom mm. maybe leave that yeah. for another day <laughs> i don't think you know i've been asked to do a few you know, like stand-up shows presume and i did them early on i don't think they work very well there's a few other people now they've changed the format of their shows to a sort of thing or i've done like sports where we'll do like a quiz or something like that uh because stand up via zoom really really does i don't think works yeah some I, I, people some people i think have that 
Yeah, I mean, I the other thing with it is there's a second delay between the joke and the laugh as well. So that kind of sets everything off a little, like it's a little bit uncomfortable. You know, that thing when you're in the audience and something wobbles and you feel the whole audience go, <gasps> like, it's that sort of thing, but with every joke, because you go, oh, are they going to laugh? Oh, okay, there we go, there's the laugh. Yeah, 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 it is. And, but the, just the lack of interaction and the lack of, you know, for, it's all well and good having a virtual front row and stuff like that. Because then even if you do try and do that thing of trying to talk to people in the audience, they're not in the audience, they're in their own home. And they don't, they're in that same sense. There isn't, you don't get as much, there isn't that nervous thing. The person who's being spoken to is far more relaxed, I suppose. They don't really care. They're, they're wearing not a plaid shirt, watching, for example. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what your plans are for next year? I know everything's all up in the air and all this kind of stuff, and we none of us can plan anything. But do you have any have an idea of, of where 2020 well, is for you? I mean, I'm hopefully going to get back into proper touring after Easter. Uh, most of the rescheduled dates start then. Uh, I'm also, I have filmed four episodes of a sort of a podcast thing where I interview people while hill walking with them. That sounds so fun. I started doing that. That sounds a That's lot like the, the Camino. That sounds a lot like the the uh, the uh, yeah. pilgrimage. Yeah, well, this is a one-on-one -on -one thing. Uh, <laughs> and I've done it so far with um, uh, uh, Stuart McConey, Rod Gilbert, Desiree Birch, and... Um, I just do it with Hal Cruttenden and uh, just I take them I drag them up a hill basically and interview them <laughs> on the way up and, and at the top and on the way down and and I'll be I'll just be putting it out on YouTube but even that I thought I'll do this while I can't work I'll do this but the lockdown restrictions have actually made filming that yeah you know logistically a nightmare so yeah, you even that's be in the same field but that's about it <laughs> yeah. and I can't give them a lift and I can't you know guess I can't technically have a, a, a cameraman. It's supposed to be just me, but normally I have a cameraman. So I, I can't do it the way I'm, I, I want to do it. But... Um, so can you talk to me a bit about, um, just about stand-up in general? So how, like, how did you get to, the, get to where you are now? What was your first start in stand-up? And then that, what was your journey like? Yeah, no, um, I guess the, the, it, it started with um, working in a student union when I was, when I was in college and being the entertainments guy. And I used to um, I used to host karaoke's and pub quizzes and things like that. And, uh, and then I ran for a, a election as the vice president and I have to you know, stand up and make speeches in front of quite hostile audiences. I, I lecture theatres just before their lectures, trying to get students interested in student politics. Yeah. And just then I had a kind of a skill for it. And yeah. then I got sort of and we'd do, we would do things like freshers' welcomes and stuff like that from the student union, where there's the fresh, the fresh come in. We, 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 you know, we'd do like a, what do you call it, like an orientation thing, I guess, with yeah. the student union. And I started putting jokes into that. And then I got started asked, started getting asked to do it at other student unions then. Like I was, I remember hosting the freshers' yeah. welcome talk of the, in, in Sterling University and Dundee University student union and then I got asked to do we I would do things like host you know blind dates you know as in the tv show you just do that live yeah. in a student union I started doing that for like 50 quid a show I would do them in again Dundee uni various different places so I just got started doing before I do stand I was doing I was always, I'd do like live presenting game show hosting type stuff yeah um and then I just decided I'd, I'd try proper stand-up so I, I started a comedy club in Glasgow. Wow, like Rob. baptism of fire territory as well, isn't it? Well, it's, 
I think Glasgow has a poor, a bad reputation from a long time ago, back in the days of the, uh, I think it was the Apollo, yeah. uh, back when like Borkham and Wise and Tommy Cooper and stuff like that, back in, back when they were touring, that was always the, the hardest gig of the tour. Yeah. But Glasgow is not a, not, no, I, that's one of my favorite places to play without a doubt. And it was actually a really good place to, to, to start, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then so when you so when you I guess came out of university, it was writing and then just going and trying stuff and then that worked and that moved on to the next thing, I guess. Yeah, I did it for a few, you know, a couple of months. I, I, I regularly MC in a comedy club in, in Glasgow that I started and then I moved to London and then just did, you know, the open mic circuit. You know, at the time it was a very, very healthy scene in London. Yeah. This is I moved in ninety-four and it was you know, you could make a handsome living and not leave the M25. The streets were paved with comedy clubs. Yeah. So, it, it I, you know, I, I got going fairly quickly. I was about 18 months before I was self-sufficient. So, wow. okay. that's fairly swift. Yeah. But it's unheard of today. You know, yeah. it, 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 it'll take you a lot longer nowadays because there's just far fewer comedy clubs. And, you know, generally most of the clubs you play like the sort of decent mid-range clubs like the 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 the, the cartoon and clapham or the mccann or any of those you you phone up you get an open spot a, a month later maybe and if that goes well two months later you do 10 minutes and if that goes well another few months later you're doing a 20 minute slot and you know some of them maybe will be a bit longer than that some even quicker than that like the comedy cafe you do the open mic competition on the Wednesday night to win that you get a 10 minute slot on the Thursday wow so if that goes well you get can progress quite quickly in that club so it's actually it was and there was just so many clubs you know yeah so it, it didn't take that long whereas now you know it's like this whole thing of you can only get an open spot if you bring 10 friends who are all drinking, <laughs> yeah and then we'll see you in about six months time yeah yeah so um, I mean I really god I wouldn't want to be starting out now I uh when you were growing up though, when you were growing up and sort of absorbing comedy, who were your heroes? Like who did you used to watch? Uh Billy, Billy Connolly. Yeah, uh, obviously. Dave Allen. King. Dave Allen. And, and and um Jasper Carrot and yeah. Mike Harding as well. They they're 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 two people I think that people slightly forget about that were also yeah. that that's that same Billy Connolly thing of coming from the folk circuits. Um yeah. but people but, forget uh, there was... Jasper Carrot used to have a regular show at the Palladium. You know, and people, yeah. you know, people forget about it because he was going a long time yeah. and he did that game show where people just stole money and it's great. That gold, I hated that show, Golden <laughs> I think everyone terrible, did. Made some good telly though, but it was awful. <laughs> just filled yeah. me with anxiety, like perpetual anxiety. With the, yeah, and then the thing at the end, the, you know, the stealer, it's just, yeah, horrible. I'm going to hear my, <laughs> my theory like... on it, right? Is you should say you're going to split it because then... Yeah, say I'm going to split it. Uh, no, no. So I'm going to steal it, and I'm going to steal it, but I'll share it with you, and and then they will go. Well, I'm either going to have neither of us have the money and go steal, but then you go share, and everyone gets share, and everyone wins. That's what I would do personally. I don't know why we're talking about this. I'm ten years out of date, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I liked him, and I also uh, used to listen to albums. You know, like yeah. not the Nine O'clock News and Monty Python albums. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, would be my. I I knew them off by heart. Yeah, I, used to, I guess it's the way you learn. It's like osmosis, I guess. It's Mr. Miyagi, I suppose. Thank you mm. so much for your time today, and it's been really lovely to talk. Oh, no, I hope no. your 2021 is 
uh, more busy. <laughs> and what, what are your plans? What are ha- what's happening with you in 2021? Oh, I'm in a similar boat as you. So I had I had theatre shows in that were running from about September until about April. Some of those are still in, but most of them have, you know, gone back. Um, but I've got a load of sort of um, other little shows in, um, which is nice because I don't have to stress about selling the tickets. But yeah, who knows if they're going to happen? Like, who knows? Yeah. Um, and so that's yeah, because you also, you did close-up magic as well, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, nice. that's all gone. Yeah. I, there's been little bits, like not a huge amount. My, my Christmas was loads of stuff like this. So, um, which is why I decided to do this is because I can do my show through Zoom and I can hypnotize right. people to forget things and stuff over Zoom. So it, I mean, it's not right. the same. It's never the same as sat in a theater, but people enjoy yeah. it. So, um, but well, yeah. In the time of, of COVID, having any job that's got the word close up in its name is never going to thrive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've called it two meter magic for when I go two back to do it. Friend. Because, you know, and I can deal with the mind reading stuff, I'm, but I'm just here instead of here, <laughs> you know. Um, thank you so much, Ed. Um, I'm sure I'll see you again at some point, but- um, Indeed, uh, perhaps at the fringe. Or- yeah, have a, have a lovely 2021 and love to you and all the family and all that kind of stuff. Cheers, man. All right. Celebrity Phone Box Podcast with James Phelan. <laughs> the thing I really love about Ed, right, is he's one of those people that just hangs up. Like, he just goes. And uh, the video of that, because obviously this was recorded on a Zoom, you know, he's, he's walking around his house as he's about to hang up. Um, There's a couple of things I wanted to go over there, uh, because you might have missed a, a couple of things that I think are worth talking about. Number one is, what is Donald Trump in sign language? It is the funniest thing I have ever seen. It is basically someone putting their hand on their head like a toupee and flapping it. Simple as that. That's what Donald Trump is inside. I find that hilarious. I do it all the time. I talk about it all the time. The other thing that I found quite interesting is I've done lots of Zoom shows over the last, you know, six months or so. And they've always been fantastic. I think magic lends itself to it because it's an interactive kind of thing. And, you know, as I kind of spoke to Ed about there is there is a slight delay. There's always, even in these sort of conversations, you can sort of perceive a sort of a bit of a delay every now and then. And so for a comedian, it kind of it makes it hard to tell the audience. And I've seen some amazing comics, some really amazing comics just properly die on their ass, like properly, you know, full flat. For no reason, telling the same jokes they could tell in a different medium and and fly. You know, I saw one guy who is superb. You know, I've seen him killed 1,500-seater rooms. And just the people in the audience were kind of half, you know, eating camembert. (laughs) And just didn't didn't get it. Um, And so I've never really experienced that. And I, I, you know, I kind of... It's interesting hearing Ed talk about his experience of it and talking about Mock the Week filming, distanced, um, and the struggles with that. Um... But my shows, they like, yeah, I mean, come to the one on on uh, Valentine's Day. It's amazing. It's great fun we have and everyone's talking. And I guess there's a skill to it. So just I'm looking forward to you seeing it is all I'm trying to say. I did a I did a comedy club. There's a little comedy club in South London, um, which is called Outside the Box Comedy Club. And they did a, did a little online thing. And I, I did it last week with Zoe Lyons and a couple of other people. Um, and it was amazing. It was great because, you know... People sat in their own living room watching comedy that they can talk back to is great. And it's run by a guy called Math. And Math, from my understanding, uh, does the warm-up to Mock the Week. And we were talking about this thing that Ed was talking about with regard to Mock the, 
with regards to Mock of the Week losing half its audience. And he said they had they normally have a 500 audience all on Zoom. So uh, they get the audience for applause. They know when stuff's funny. And they had something like 300 or 350 of them drop out. So they couldn't hear them at all. So they were all just trying to be funny. And no one was doing anything. They'd be like... Just like the odd clap like that. Um, and it took them probably 25 minutes to realise that that's why no one was laughing at their jokes. Which is kind of what Ed was talking about. I love those little sort of behind the scenes things. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about briefly here. Because I think this is really important. I think this is probably the most important thing that came up in that interview was golden balls i mean it's not really the most important thing at all but i want to sort of clarify my position on it um do you remember this game show it's a game show called golden balls presented by jasper carrot now jasper carrot in the sort of 70s 80s was a superstar and about 10 or 15 years ago might even be longer than that now he presented a game show on itv sort of the chase kind of time frame uh called golden balls where you had to either split or steal at the end there'd be a pot of money that you would have won and there'll be two people and if you both choose steal neither of you get it if you both choose split you go half and half and if one person chooses split and the one person chooses steal the person that chooses steal puts all of it i mean it's horrible that is hell that's nightmare fuel is what that is but i had a theory on it right if you go uh i'm going to choose steal but i'm going to split it with you this is what i was trying to explain earlier and i just golden balls it right up but if i say to you i'm going to choose steal and i'm going to split it with you so you choose uh, split it's risk free you know then for them I guess because they go well I'm either going to get nothing or we're both going to get nothing and then what you do is you choose split so then you end up both choosing split or if they choose steal you know and I, that to me sounds like the right answer but I've thought about this a lot and it's, it keeps me up at night sometimes that's a story for another day um I'm going to leave you now. I think I've rambled quite long enough. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed that chat because I thought it was fantastic. Coming up next is Chesney Hawks. Um, he lives in LA these days um, and he <laughs> he's most famous amongst people sort of younger than me for the DFS adverts because his song is just played relentlessly on the DFS adverts but he's a superstar and he's lovely. Really, really lovely. You'll see him. Um, you'll probably see him maybe twice a month on Antiques Road Trip uh, which is where I first came across him. But I'll tell you all about that in, in the next podcast. Um, he tells me about sort of making music and his dad, who was also a sort of a pop star. And he was talking very much about that sort of teenage thing of thinking you know best. And he sort of managed to have that... Uh, how do we word this? Um, almost like that One Direction thing of going, I'm going to be a pop star and everyone going, are you though? And he became number one. And one of the most successful musicians of the year at that point and of the 80s, I guess. And he's still spoken about now and we still know very much who he is. Um, so that's coming up in the next podcast. Um, and if I don't speak to you before then, if you're about to sort of hop out and I'll maybe see you soon, have a lovely rest of your week. And this is, of course, Celebrity Phone Box Podcast. I'll speak to you soon. Celebrity Phone Box with James Feeling. Please hang up.